Jillian Pensavalet. Patrick Hines. Okay. Nailing it. Nailing it. Nailing it. Right? Yeah. Just always just woo. Yeah. Nailing it. going on. Listen, we're traveling a ton. Go to the See Us Live page on our website, truecrimeobsessed.com. Come see us at Podex. Come see us at CrimeCon. Yeah. We got little discount codes if you want to save a little cash. Yeah, all on the website, you guys. And then, you guys, the big one, come to our Pride show in June. Mm-hmm. I am going crazy. We've hired two drag queens already. I, look, I know. <laughs> They're going to be our greeters. They are going to, like, take pictures with you and be sassy with you and have fun with you before the show starts. Right. And then we're going to be sassy and have fun with you. Hopefully they won't upstage us too much. I I think there's going to be some upstairs. A little bit. That's okay. I'm here for it, though. <laughs> if anyone's going to do it, honestly. The queens. Come on. And then, you guys, I'm doing pride tours in the morning. I'm doing four tours around the village. I'm going to show you all the cool old gay stuff, all the cool old New York-y stuff that you've seen in movies and TV and stuff. Yeah. And we're going to hang. You just have to get your tickets by April 29th, and then we're going to reach out and find out who wants to go on these tours. And then just do a little organizing. That's what we're doing. And then, you guys, I'm saying come to the show. It's going to be my favorite show. It's going to be the most special show we've done. Mm-hmm. I'm losing my mind. I can't sleep. I'm so excited. It's really going to be a thing like we're going to laugh, we're going to cry, we're going to hug. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. Same. Lastly, you guys, our Patreon is crazy. We're almost done with Making a Murderer. Like Making a Murderer Part 2, which means we're almost done with Making Making a Murderer. murderer. (laughs) We also have episode by episode The Jinx, The Staircase, Serial. Season 1. You guys, all the Serial coverage. If you're loving the HBO documentary coverage of the Adnan stuff, go to the Patreon. Brand new interview with Robbie Achadri. Mm -hmm. You guys, beep, 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 breaking news. Yeah. We're playing a piece of that interview at the end of this episode. (gasps) You guys are going to hear her thoughts on Don. Don who maybe or maybe didn't kill him in late. Robbie is so amazing. <laughs> and we have another interview with Robbie and an interview with Queen Asia. Queen Asia McLean. McLean. You want to hear Asia's story? It's all on the Patreon. Asia did not hold back. I know. With us? With us? No. No, no about like her experience on Serial and How like. Sarah found her and kind of duped her. And what? You guys get the tea. Get it. Asia spills it all. She's amazing. But we love you girls. Should we get to this? Speaking of Asia, yes, we most certainly should. And Robbie. Of course. Well, first of all, the name of this episode is called Justice is Arbitrary. I know. I know. It is know. arbitrary. But you know what? It comes back in a good way in the end. Yes, yes, So yes. we'll get there. I just love a good title. I'm like, I know. Oh, what does that mean? What is the context of that? <laughs> when you are working on a case that you think is a wrongful conviction, you're only on one side, and that side is getting to the truth. The day she went missing was just a normal day to me. It never hit me that something could be wrong until they found her body. The suspect is Adnan Musad Sayed. It felt like they gotta have the wrong guy. If he did what he did, then who's the person that I saw every day in class? For years, I've been saying to Adnan, we should go to media, we should go to journalists, because they can do things we can't do. But nobody realized it's going to turn into anything big. Adnan Syed's story has captivated millions since the launch of the podcast Serial. Serial is what brought new evidence to the case. But Serial was not going to exonerate him. Now, 18 years after he was sent to prison, convicted murderer Adnan Syed heads back to court as questions about his case continue to surface. As investigators, we go beyond what law enforcement has already done. Failure to investigate more thoroughly is a major mistake. I never thought about him over all these years. This was a person that had a life. This is an interesting case, but it's people's lives. I know there are things that don't look good for me. 
telling you, that's what happens. How could anybody think that he's being straight about this? That doesn't make him a killer. Makes him an unusual person. This is perhaps the critical piece to this case. They were going to follow that wherever it took them. This is a piece of evidence that nobody even realized existed. I want you to look into my eyes and tell me of your innocence. We're getting a tour of Baltimore. <laughs> and Nikisha, if you forget, which how dare you, she is Jay's ex. Look, she's just a boss. Like, she is very confident. She's giving us the backstory. She pulls up to Jay's mom's house. This is where his mother had lived towards the end of our relationship. This was his little neck of the woods. I love Nikisha. She's got great energy. She's excellent. Those arms for days. She's in incredible shape. She is very much in incredible shape. Right. And we learn, like, it was a horrible relationship. They had a son in 2008. Yeah. And the relationship was so bad. He was abusive. He would hit her. We learned about this previously. And, yeah. It's so horrible. And, like, the horrible thing where they would hold the kid for ransom, where, like, Jay's mom would be babysitting, and Jay would be like, don't give the kid back to Nikisha. That shit goes right to my heart. It's such trash, too. Yeah. It's such garbage. Like, leave the kid out of it, number one. Yeah. Leave the mom out of it. And also, don't hit people. How does Nikisha get out of this relationship? She runs <laughs> like a thief in the night with nothing but her child and the clothes on her back, essentially, <laughs> and leaves dumbass Jay alone in a parking lot. <laughs> it all comes back to a parking lot, doesn't it, Jay? She sends him into, like, a Walgreens or a Rite Aid. She's like, the baby needs a prescription. Jay goes in. <laughs> She's Nikisha out. Is out. Went in the right aid, thinking he was gonna get a prescription filled for my son, and I just I left. I left all whatever stuff my son had at his grandmother's house. I left that, and I just never turned back. Nikisha, we love you so much. She's Call amazing. Us. And guess what? The Nikisha stuff is just starting. I know. So she says, like, you know, Jay lives in California somewhere far, far away. He barely told her about the case when they were together. And she, like everyone else, basically, except for Rabia, like, learned about it through Serial. Right. <laughs> yeah, Rabia knew about it. Yeah, Rabia knew. <laughs> brought it to Serial. For those of you just catching up, thank you for joining us. Welcome to True Crime Obsessed. <laughs> He's loud and gay. I'm not. <laughs> You're loud, though. I can be. And you have purple hair. Oh, yeah. You stand out in a crowd. Thanks, girl. So we are learning that Nikisha learns about Jay's backstory through Serial. Can you imagine <laughs> no. that moment? Like, no. ding, 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 ding. What? You know she didn't listen. She just heard through the grapevine. <laughs> right. Yeah, But totally. like, is that JJ? Right. Like, really? I know. And so she wants more information. The thing is, the filmmakers, Amy Berg and her team, have Nikisha in a stairwell. Yes. In a stairwell. Like you, listen, you got Christy in a diner. Uh-huh. You got Jen in a warehouse. Right. You're going to do Nikisha in a stairwell? You couldn't get a conference room somewhere? Although Nikisha, it looks like she's in kind of a cool loft. It's true. <laughs> and I hope that's what it is. Me and same. then we're just in the stairwell. Although, why are we in the stairwell? Of the, you would think it would be echoey. I don't know. I don't know. Amy Berg, call me and explain your <laughs> your, process. your amazing magical powers. <laughs> and so she texts him, and then she tells us that, like, she's anticipating a callback, but she knows herself, and she knows that she gets really worked up when Jay lies to her, so she needs to calm down. And she's like, he's going to be lying. Right. He lies about everything. Right. And she's like, I haven't spoken to him in years. Like, he messaged me a couple years ago on Facebook just to be annoying, but, like, I'll text him and <laughs> see. Said, just to irk me. <laughs> just to irk me. <laughs> and I'm like, don't you work, Nikisha. I know. You stay away from her. She's one of us now. And her child. I know. Get out of there. But so she texts him, you guys, Jay calls her back. And that's how the last episode ends, right? Where she's yeah. like, oh, I'll just text. And it's like, you guys, spoiler, he calls. This is it. <laughs> Hello? Hey. And so we're hearing Nikisha's side of the conversation. No hi, hello. Basically, tell me how you were involved. Yeah, what's up? Yeah. 
I mean, what's going on, dog? That shit is just so crazy. I mean, you could tell that it's crazy looking on the outside in. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I'm just, I'm confused. Like, why did, Why is it so long ago? Why? Boop, he just hangs up on her. <laughs> Classic Jay, am I right? Classic, and then he texts, he's like, oh, my service is out, which is such bullshit. Right. But basically what Nikisha tells us is like, look, he was talking a lot. Like, you could tell he was, like, anxious to get this all out after all these years. Because at first he was like, I didn't have anything to do with it. And then by the end of the conversation, he was like, yeah, I totally lied. Did you hear that? I don't know that I could understand. You know what basically he was saying? That the police, he said he got caught with a whole bunch of weed and, um... It was so much weed, they were trying to pin it on him. So basically he ratted the man, gave him a bigger story to, to get um, him locked up. And he basically gave them what they wanted to know so he could get off. He was saying it so fast and slang, but. And it's really annoying because we have to believe Nikisha. I believe Nikisha. Hashtag I believe Nikisha. Totally. I believe Nikisha because I believe that's what Jay told her. Yeah. But I don't believe that's what happened. Some weed. How much weed did Jay have? Right. That he would trade weed for a murder? Like, right. it's just like, it's not equal at all to me. I also love how Nikisha was like, he was talking so fast and it was all in slang, but basically he <laughs> ratted out his friends so that he didn't have to it's get true. in any trouble. And then Nikisha says, she says, I feel sad for him. And I went, no, Nikisha. No. I like said that out loud to my computer. Yeah. Nikisha, no. No, you're one of us, girl. Yeah, and their relationship was horrible, and she got the hell out of there, and she's protecting her kid, obviously, but, like, they clearly have a bond there, and he thinks, from his point of uh -huh. view, he could trust Nikisha. They've been through a lot. They've been through hell and back, in uh -huh. his mind, right? Meanwhile. <laughs> yeah, uh, cut to 2017, whenever this interview was done. Right, and then the <laughs> Not minute so they... Not so fast, Jay. Right, and the minute they hang up, Nikisha's talking a mile a minute, right. she wants to get all the information <laughs> out. She's like, I just want to... Girl, I just want you to know, and Amy Burke's like, yes, yes, I know. yes. This is gold. Meanwhile, cut to an interview with Detective Massey where uh, they're asking him is Jay an informant? And he's like no. When you have a murder they're called witnesses. Right. And I'm like give me a break. Yeah. And then Adnan says like we hear Adnan on the phone and he's talking about how like you know what I can't be concerned with why Jay was lying. At this point in my life I've given up trying to prove why he lied. There's some things that I've given up on because I realize legally speaking they really don't have any bearing. And at this point in my life you know that's really all that I should be focused on. What legally makes a difference in my case? true. Which is like, that's gotta be so sad that it's like, you know what, this kid lied and put me in jail forever, but I can't even worry about that now. I've gotta worry about other things. Yeah, there are bigger things to worry about and more important things that are actually gonna get him. It's like, everyone knows Jay lied. Right. That's not new information either. Yeah. You know, like, of course he lied, but we have to prove how and why and whatever. Uh, yeah, we're back with Robbie at the Dunkin' Donuts, everybody. Robbie at the Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I gotta say, I was like, there's all of these artful shots of Dunkin' Donuts. I, I was like, what are we doing it's here? It's never looked so not fluorescently I, lit. I and they're filming it from like across the street. There's like rain on the window. And you see Rabia, who, by the way, isn't eating donuts or coffee. She's got a bottle of Dasani water. Yeah, come on. And she's just like tweeting up a storm. Yeah. And because she's not allowed in the courtroom, just refresher. Right. Rabia's been evicted from the courtroom. <laughs> Because Thero Vignaraja, the Ugh. prosecutor, like, wanted to get back at her. Really, that's what it was. Yeah, claiming he would call her as a witness. He was never going to call her. Uh, Justin Brown shows up, Adnan's lawyer. You guys, he's so cute. Yeah. I'm allowed to think he's cute, right? Yes, you are. Justin Brown is, like, this tall drink of water. He's so adorable. That's all. But so Rabia in the Dunkin' Donuts is like, well, she really wants to see Asia testify. So this is a really big deal to Rabia. My presence there is not going to make an impact on what's actually happening in front of the judge. Um, and that's what's more important. So... My support is from out here. It's fine. I'm, I can at least I can sit out here and tweet 
So I'm still on the case uh, in my own way. Asia, from everything I've heard, has made an amazing witness. And I was like, man, I missed it. Because <laughs> I really wanted to see her testify. But it's okay. Rabia was the one, and we're going to get into this in a second. But she's the one who realized Asia's significance to the case. Right. She's the one who went and found Asia and had Asia sign the affidavit. Like, the Asia piece of this is really important to Rabia. And she wanted to see that through. Right. And that's just a dick move. And he knew that. Yeah, So he did it for many reasons, but that one. So Rabia tells us that the first time she ever heard Asia's name was in the closing arguments. When somebody says that, like, Adnan got in the car with Hay and they left school and she was dead by 2.20. And that's when Rabia's like, well, if you could, like, account for that time, right. you're good. You're done. That's when Adnan's like, uh, there was this girl who was writing me letters about seeing me in the library at that time. Like, maybe we should look into that. And it's like, we're... I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Record scratch. Robbie's like, get her on the phone. Right. And so Christina Gutierrez tells Adnan, no, 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 girl. We looked into her. She got her dates wrong. Right. She's not a reliable witness. You have to move on from this Asia person. Right. Meanwhile, Asia says Christina Gutierrez never reached out to her at all. Right. And then it turns out that, like, Christina Gutierrez was poorly representing clients. Like, she had a really, really bad track record. We get a lot of this in Serial, that, like, she was overcharging people for things that she never ended up getting. Like, $25,000 for this, $10,000 for that, for expert witnesses, I need the money in cash. Yeah, and they, she was doing that to Rabia. Rabia says like she would get in the elevator and be like, wow, bad news, huh? So if you give me $60,000 tomorrow, I'm sure I could turn it all around. Right. She was later disbarred and it all went public like a couple years later that, you know, she had messed up all these clients and, you know, we were just horrified. It explained a lot. She was really sick. Yeah. She was like chain smoking. She was in the hospital. Like it was really bad news. It's a mess. Sounds like ineffective assistance of counsel. Am I right? (laughs) Just saying. Ineffective assistance of counsel. That's my drag name. Right. Queen Rabia, not taking any of this lying down, is like, let me look at these letters that Asia wrote to Adnan. And in one of the letters, there's a number for a landline. She calls the landline and she goes to find Asia. And she basically gets Asia to like write an affidavit about like what she remembers from that day. Mm -hmm. Because Rabia knows this is important. Right. She's basically basically making the letters that she wrote at non like official. Yes. Getting it notarized official business. But the bad news is they couldn't use any of this information. What we were facing at that point was direct appeals, which is all about the technical issues. You cannot raise anything that's considered new evidence. We had to wait until we could file something called a post-conviction relief petition. And so by the time we did that, it was like 2010. And Adnan's lawyer, Justin Brown, he hired a private investigator to reach out to Asia to see if she'd be willing to come testify. So all of this time, Asia, and we know this from our interview with Asia, mm-hmm. Asia thinks that, like, well, no one ever called me back. Like, obviously, they got the right guy. The conviction was sound. Like, the right person is in jail for the crime. In my mind, the only thing that I could think of was that someone associated with a convicted murderer had tracked me down. And um, I, I just wasn't comfortable without knowing the scope of why. Asia's story about this in our interview with her is amazing. Because she, like, totally freaks out. It's so eye-opening and so not what was presented in Serial. Right. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Asia for just a second. I would love to. Asia's flawless. Mm-hmm. Her diction is amazing. Mm-hmm. Even she said on Twitter, she's like, I know I said library. <laughs> she did? <laughs> she did. Oh, she said it? Okay, good. Good, 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 good. Because it was kind I didn't want to say it. I know. Because she's our friend now, but well, I was like, she come on. She was nervous. Like, she's, like, giving this big interview. She never does <laughs> Of course she like tweeted, I know she I did. said library. I know I said library. <laughs> Also, Asia unfollowed every single person on Twitter except for two people. Do you want to know who they are? Yes. Solange Knowles uh-huh. and Amy Burke. <laughs> Why did she unfollow? I don't know. She followed me on Twitter forever. She doesn't anymore. Does she unfollow me? If, yeah. If you're not, unless you're Solange Knowles, she unfollowed you. You guys, <laughs> I have something to say. Not only am I Banksy. <laughs> 
Asia, I love you. I think that Asia's been listening to our episodes. I understand. She like was going through it on Twitter. Like she didn't want to be there anymore and whatever. That's fine. Asia, That's fine. You're fine. Asia, do you. We're obsessed with you. The thing about Asia that I love, that I've always like respected because I'm so not like this. Uh-huh. She's so type A. Or at least I think she is. Like she's very organized. She's very smart. And she knows she's got to get receipts for everything. Right. And this is also super important. Right. It has to do with a murder case. So what she does after this private investigator tracks her down, again, she didn't have to do any of this. No. She did all of this out of the goodness of her heart. She's like, let me look into this a little bit more. She calls Kevin Urich, the prosecutor. Uh, I figured with him being a prosecutor that he would be a reliable source for information. I told him that I saw Saeed in the library in 1999. He told me that they had cell phone records and they had a witness that confessed to helping him bury Hay. Based on what he told me, I felt that the conviction was, you know, airtight. And so I didn't see the need for me to get involved 10 years later. Asia takes detailed notes. That penmanship. You guys, she has the notes. She is the point them. of this. I know. She brought them to the interview. Like, she comes with props. God, I love her. <laughs> but the penmanship is amazing. Yeah. And she thinks, like, well, I'll call the prosecutor. He's got to be a good guy. Of course. Right? Like, Can we talk about those notes for one second? We have to. Yellow legal pad. Yeah. Nary a word crossed out. No. Everything is spelled correctly. She would write down things like verbatim. I know. Like full quotes from him even, verbatim. I was like, I don't even know what that means, but I... Good for you, Asia. He's word for word, sweetheart. No, no, no. <laughs> I know what verbatim means. I mean, some of the things that she wrote, I was like, I can't. I thought you were pretending that you didn't know because you're so beautiful. What if I didn't know what verbatim meant? Oh, my God. I would hold your hand. Some of the stuff that Yurik tells her are things that we've heard over and over again, the police telling people incorrectly. Right. There was cell phone records. There was DNA evidence. There was, you know, all of this evidence. We got the right guy. And she's like, it's 10 years later, but girl kept those handwritten notes. She's got the receipts. I can't believe she, she has her them. day planner from high school. Like, that's I ama- can't handle it. That's amazing. I know. Oh, this and this bullshit. See, we're not off Asia. No. <laughs> we'll never be away from Asia. She's never too far. Tell me what's happening. So in 2012, Adnan's lawyer presented Asia's affidavit at a hearing for post-conviction relief. Right. Here's the thing. Asia wasn't there to testify. Guess who was? Yurik, the Kevin, prosecutor. goddamn Yurik. And he lies. Right. A young lady named Asia called me. And uh, what did she say? She was concerned because she was being asked questions about an affidavit she'd written back at the time of the trial. She told me that she'd only written it because she was getting pressure from the family, and she basically wrote it to please them and get them off her back. Rabia has her first official no-bitch of the episode. Right. And also, uh, Kevin, you're, who took notes on that conversation? You're Asia. <laughs> just wondering, real quick. I remember sitting there and listening to Yurik testify, and it was like being just punched in the gut. Because it made us all look horrible, and it was a total lie. You know what? I'm sure he had no idea that she was taking notes. No. Taking notes on a phone call. Asia, you genius. Yeah. Everyone has been underestimating Asia this whole time. I mean, those notes are so important. Yes. And she kept them. Even when she was like, okay, I'm moving on from this. They seem to have the right guy. It's been 10 years. She put them in a little hat box. And you know what? And kept them. She didn't even fold them and put them in an envelope like I would have. Not a crease. (laughs) Not a crease. They're like flat. Like they've been under a dictionary. Yeah. Oh, Reddit's going to hate that. They're going to rip that apart. (laughs) See, there's no crease on it. She just wrote them yesterday. Get out of here, Reddit. I have no time for your bullshit right now. We have to get a guy out of prison. Shut up, Reddit. Shut up. Shut up. 
I love too that when Asia found out that Yurik had said these things, she goes, Honestly, it, it pisses me off. Yeah, she was like, I feel manipulated. I feel super guilty. Like, yeah. she feels like, whoa, wait, I could have helped and I didn't. And Asia girl, not your fault. Yeah. He's a monster and, like, manipulated this whole thing. It's not just you. But, of course, you would be like, well, I tried. But then also, this poor girl, again, she just put herself out there. She says that she was perfectly willing to meet with Thera Vignaraja, the, the prosecution. She was like, I'll make myself available to both sides. She said to us in her interview, I'm not taking a side. I don't have an opinion. I think maybe that has evolved since we talked to her. Mm-hmm. But she was saying, like, I just want to tell people what I know. I feel like if he did care about the truth that he would have met with me before the PCR like I invited him to. My attorney made it absolutely clear that I was 100% willing to cooperate with the prosecution as well. Even after I, I, I got done testifying in press conferences, you know, he demonized me. He insinuates in one press conference Mm -hmm. that she, like, made up this letter, made up these notes, that it wasn't written in the time that she said that it was. Yeah, he, like, plants these seeds that those letters were doctored. Right. And look, Rabia mentions Reddit, too, because she's like, go on Reddit and look up Asia. Thiru demonized her and, like, lit up the underbelly of the internet. Yeah, and then Asia's talking about, like, cereal and, like, what happened during the time of cereal and how she never thought cereal would blow up. When I talked to Sarah on the phone... At best, I thought maybe she was going to write an article. Back then, no one knew what a podcast really was. And then to have it go so viral, so quick, it was just a very surreal and sickening experience. We hear the most famous line from the entire... I mean, it's in... It's your favorite. It's my absolute... Fa- I think it's everybody's favorite. Am I wrong? Um, I don't have a favorite. <laughs> I think your favorite I'm not line- a crazy cereal person <laughs> like you. I'm a crazy Robbie person. I think your favorite line from cereal might be like, and this is our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> or just anytime. I know. We'll get back to I know, that. I know. But you guys, here's the line. It'd be nice if there was some technicality, something that would prove his innocence. But I think, I think, Asia, like, you might be that technicality. Oh, that is genius. I have in my notes, they play your favorite part of cereal like I'm typing to you in my notes. <laughs> I love that part. Like, I think that's you, Asia. We need to talk about Christy and Jen. Okay, mostly we need to talk about Christy's outfit and where she's having this interview done. You guys, Christy is full on at a diner. Uh-huh. They've clearly rented this diner out for the day. There Christ- are some people milling <laughs> about, but it's not It's not like the lunch rush. No. <laughs> You're not hearing like, ding, ding, ding. I got my no pickles, no tomato. You're also not hearing ding, 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 because I forgot the bell today. Oh, right. Yeah, we should have mentioned that. Yeah, sorry. But like, I'm obsessed with Christy in this episode, and she looks like she's wearing a Chanel suit. I don't know what's happening, but she's at a diner. How can you tell? She's sitting in a booth because with a computer a, in front of her. It's that black and white pattern you can kind of see. Oh. I'm obsessed. And Christy's talking about how weird it is to have people question your memory. And I'm like, is it weird when a man's life hangs in the balance and <laughs> someone was murdered and justice is not happening? Is it weird? How yeah, weird is it, Is it Christy? weird that a guy's rotting in jail and your strongest memory of this time is what time Judge Judy started? Right. And we really need to figure out who murdered Heyman Lee. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not re- that weird, no. Christy. <laughs> Super accurate. It should happen more often if I, if we're really on the subject now. It should be happening a lot more often to a lot more people. That's all I'm saying. Here's what I want to say. I feel like if I met Christy, we'd be friends. I agree. <laughs> Hard yes to that. But this is where we see Jen. Jen Pusateri makes her debut in the episode. Everybody take a deep breath. 
Europe's, I love you. I'm obsessed with your obsession with Jen Pusateri. I'm obsessed with Jen Pusateri. I know. I, I will say she's the one super famous person I never want to meet. Super famous? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. We're talking about just in my brain though, right? Right, right. Yeah. Okay, then yeah, super famous. Why, I, why wouldn't you want to meet her? Tell me everything. I don't think that she'd like me and I don't think that I'd like her back, but not in a mean way. I just don't think we'd get along. I think she'd think I was weird. You guys have absolutely nothing in common. I know. And it would be one of those things where I'd be like, be cool, be cool, be cool. I have a million questions. And she'll be like, uh, he's a lot. And she wouldn't say it to you. <laughs> whoever's next to her he's a lot like I need to not be around this person right now and she would like just turn and walk away and my feelings would be hurt but so this is where Jen is kind of heartbroken over the fact that Jay lied to her I didn't know that all these stories existed until the serial thing came out like I didn't know that Jay told three and four and five different stories to ten different people I kept it uh, a little bit more uh, on the wraps this is an episode of reckoning for Jen. She what? comes to a lot of, of, of real truths that she is fighting against every step of yeah. the way. Yeah, because she said to us in the first episode, look, I tried to run away from this as long as I could. I'm here now. I'll answer your questions. And as she's understanding that Jay lied to her, whatever happened, she knew more than she said. Jen's conscience is definitely bubbling up in her now. I think the fact that Jen is willing to talk at all says that no matter what, she believes the story she's been telling. Yes. Whether whether isn't true. For better she, or worse. Right. Yeah. Like whether it's not true and she knew at the time but now she believes it or she can't really remember or maybe as Rabia has suggested her, there isn't much memory left there so she's mm -hmm. just clinging to what she said at the time. So she is believing exactly the story Jay told her but is devastated and heartbroken that Jay has told like 11 different other stories. Yeah and like you know there's the whole like question of like is Jen lying too? You know what I mean? So the question is did Jay tell her a lie that she believed or is she in on the lie? I don't think she's in on the lie. Yeah. It's a, it's Maybe a I'm debate. wrong. I don't know. I don't know exactly how I feel, but I do agree with you. This is a, an episode of Reckoning. She is being confronted with a lot of truth that she is trying to digest. And then we have Aisha Pittman, who's like nowhere near Jen and Christy. I don't think she even knows who they are. Yeah, probably not. They were <laughs> not in the Magnet program. No, no, no. They no, were no. sorority girls somewhere else. Yeah. And Aisha's just like, hey, also in all the drama, like when Cyril came out, her dad was really sick and dying. And that was a traumatic time in her life, obviously. And then all these people are like, hey, Cyril came out. Can you also talk about that other traumatic time where your best friend was missing and murdered? Yeah. And it's just like, then it all comes back like, wait, we cannot forget why we're all here. Right. I want to make sure people remember, like, this was a person that lived and had a life and not just become so focused about, this is an interesting case. Like, it's people's lives. <laughs> someone was murdered and yes. like don't we all want to get to the bottom of it is it just the two of us and Rabia <laughs> I don't think everybody here wants to get to the bottom of it if I'm being honest Jen yeah <laughs> it's something, look sometimes it's easier to live in the, that world you've been in as horrible as it is yeah it's easier for her because to go back is like now she's part of it. You know, we've talked about this in other aspects of like some people want the thing that is settled to be settled. Yes. You know, we don't want to revisit it. Yeah. Who knows what's going to come to light? Well, Jen's going to scream about that in yeah. about 10 minutes. <laughs> so Rabia is talking about how when Serial was happening, she was like obsessively online. If you don't know, Rabia was a blogger. That's mm -hmm. how she started. So she's online and she meets like Susan Simpson, another blogger <gasps> who I know, Queen <gasps> Susan Simpson. Oh my God. She had written... I don't know, like 35, 40 pages about Jay's police statements. And I just emailed her and I said, you're analyzing the stuff in a way that nobody ever has. I have all the files and I'd love to give it all to you. Can you imagine being that armchair detective who gets an email like that? Well, Susan Simpson's like, well, I get this email from Rabia and I'm like, that's really stupid. You hardly know me. Don't give me the entire case file. Rabia shaped a hole in the door. She's like, la, 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 can't hear you. I'm Rabia. You, I, I can see a little bit in the 
future. This is going to be good for everybody. Just read them. Susan, just read them. Don't, no, got- no use arguing, Susan, girl. Just do, please do what I say. I'm Rabia. You don't know I'm a queen yet, but you're a queen too. And it's going to be a whole thing. La, 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 la. I imagine that in that Rabia-shaped hole in the door, one hand has like a perfect cup of tea with a biscotti. That didn't even spill when it she ran through the door. <laughs> and the other hand has 15 case boxes. Just throwing. Yeah. Just, just all this paper. Bye. La, la, la. I can't hear you. Can't hear you, Susan. Thank you. I'll be in touch because we're going to be in touch consistently for the rest of our lives now. It's so crazy. So Susan says, like, back in the beginning, I assumed that Jay was involved in some way. Um, I thought Anon might be involved in some way. I didn't know. I just knew the story we were hearing didn't make any sense. I am obsessed with everything about Susan Simpson. The way she speaks, her thought process, her work ethic. I know. The way she talks us through everything, the realness of like, at one point she's like, how is it that the one map I need, I can't even find, in this like pile of papers. She's so real and so smart and so like accessible and explains everything in a way where it's just like, oh my God, this is so complicated, but I understand it because of you. All right, so here we are. Susan is about to like walk us through the cell phone data. With the natural light coming from the window. <laughs> and like just Susan- harp. Did you hear the harps playing? <laughs> I did. She just like comes in for her interview like Asia. She brings the receipts. Oh. She's got 25 boxes of receipts. Uh-huh. She looks amazing. She's got 40 maps. <laughs> the whole thing is that we're cutting back and forth between Susan and then like back in the day these detectives on the stand. And mm-hmm. the bottom line is these detectives were going to use the cell phone data to pinpoint where the cell phone vis-a-vis Adnan and Jay were throughout the entire night. Right. And what Susan explains to us is that they were trying to use the cell phone records to, like, match up Jay's story. Right. And the cops say on the stand, they say it on the stand, that at first Jay's story didn't line up. But then eventually, (laughs) the more we talked to him, it did. The cell site information that we had didn't correspond to his statement at first. We narrowed the time frames down. He started to recall things a little bit better and uh, took a second statement. They are under oath saying this on the stand. Yeah, because Susan points out there are two interviews. There's the first interview where Jay gives his whole story. Then there's the second interview where Jay comes in at like three and they don't start recording until like six. After 6.20, after six. Yeah, three and a half hours basically of them showing Jay the cell phone data. What did they do for those three hours and 20 minutes? They workshopped that story. You don't turn on the tape recorder until you've got the statement you want. They rehearsed. Yes, they had to line up Jay's story to the cell phone data. Absolutely. Because that's the only way that they could prove that what Jay is saying is correct. And even on the audio of Jay's interview, they start by saying like, hey, so we're only doing the second interview because there were a lot of inconsistencies and this is how we're all going to clear it up. Yeah. So one of the garbage cops, God, we're surrounded by them and everything we're doing, making a murderer, (laughs) this case. One of the garbage cops, Ritz, actually has a track record of being involved in false convictions. Some of them are overturned and people are exonerated because he would threaten people and be like, I'll take your kids away or you can say you saw this and this and this. Right. I mean, it's this a is, track record. It's insane. Okay, you guys, get ready for this insane story. Susan lets us know right at the top of the story. My very firmly held theory is that Jay does not know anything. They helped him develop a story through a process. So Susan... Covered, dripping in maps. Right. Like, actually swimming in them. Yeah. In my brain, she came dressed in maps. Uh-huh. And like, she's just peeling them off her body. Right. Like, the, like Leslie Knope's wedding dress where it's just made out of, like, right. all of the articles that involved her from the newspaper. Yeah. That's what Susan is, just draped in maps. papers. This is the blob map from AT&T showing 
well, they call them coverage areas, but really an idealized, computer-generated prediction of where each tower is going to cover. They tried to have Jay, like, track his story through these little zones. I would bet dollars to donuts the cops had these maps out there as they're walking through the story. Guess what? She is absolutely right. Yeah. Because you we can hear, hear it when he talks. They ask him a question and he's like, oh, man, like, uh, uh, can you just give me a second? And then you hear... Well, what they're saying is that they're pointing on the map. Like, Jay, tell this part of the story. Okay, now and we're pointing to- And then you went here. Yep, we're pointing to this part of the map. Now you have to tell us how you got there. And then we're pointing to this part of the map, and you have to tell us how you got there. Whenever he forgets the script, forgets what he's supposed to be doing, they're like, no. What happens now? I believe... Can you bear with me for a minute? All right. Oh, okay. We left there. I took him back to school and- and I went back to my friend Jen's house and waited for him to call. If you really listen back, even if you're a cynic, right? Yeah. Just really listen to this part with an open mind because he asks for a second to like collect his thoughts. You hear the tapping and then he responds so obviously to some kind of cue. Yes. What happens now? I believe. Can you bear with me for a minute? Oh, okay. We left there. I took him back to school and. And I went back to my friend Jen's house and waited for him to call. Because he's, yes, like, he's yes. like, oh, right, okay. You don't say that when you finally collect your thoughts. 100%. It's like the red gloves from the last episode. Where yeah, he was like, like oh, in the right. middle of one thought. Oh, oh, also he was wearing red gloves. Because someone put their hand up and pointed it to right, it. And totally. was like, red, you idiot, say red. <laughs> like, oh my God. There's so many things wrong with this. One of the things is that there's like a typo on one of the towers. Oh, the typo. So they think that the cell phone was in one area of town, but they got it wrong. So now Jay's got to come up with a story about how he got from there to some other place in town. Yeah, like so Susan tells us, like, they kept introducing all these errors that they eventually had to correct again, which is why Jay has 15 different stories. He's going 90 miles an hour down the highway. I was here for one second, and then I was here. It's insane. It's insane. The only thing missing here is, like, a cartoon animation of, like, Jay in an old 70s Like, he's, like, like the roadrunner, where it's like, bro, bro, he's just, I'm like, Jay is a mastermind in what universe? In the animation, Adnan's, like, in the passenger seat just making the Nisha call. Super stoned. Totally. Whatever. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. It's so obvious. Robbie has to point out like how dumb these cops are and like the story they're trying to concoct. Right. And she's like, yeah, he both left Jay's house when the come and get me call happened at 236, but he also didn't leave Jen's house until 340. Yeah, that makes a whole hell of a lot of sense, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. I mean, the story is nonsense because it came from nonsense and it was multiplied by the cell phone records. We're back to Christy real quick at the diner, and I hope they have free coffee refills, because it feels like she's going to be there for a while going through some shit. Yeah. Another big lie, because of a a mistake that the cops make, that they had to make it make sense. Jay had to be at Christie's and then leave Christie's and then come back with Adnan when he was super high and being like, quote, rude. Right. They say this to Christie and the look on her face. She's just like, he only came to my house one time when I was watching. I was trying to watch Judge Judy. Right. I was trying to get my Judge Judy on. Right. He's saying he was at your house two times since you got home from school. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. He definitely did not leave and go get Adnan and come back. He definitely came in with Adnan. It doesn't surprise me that Jay lied about that stuff because Jay lies about everything, but I can't figure out why, like what the what the purpose is to lie about. And what's so clever about that moment is that it's just been set up for us why this right. lie exists. Amy? 
And now we understand why Jay lied, but Christy still doesn't understand. Exactly. Because she doesn't have the inside scoop the way that we do. Right. I think this is where we see for Christy, she's starting to be like, wait, what's happening? Right. So our cute private investigators that the uh, film Luke crew- Luke Brindle Kim. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're in the car with him, and he tells us something that made me, like, every alarm bell, all the glitter, well, not glitter, because it's miserable, but, yeah. you know, like, everything went off. Yeah, save the glitter for the gays, thank no, you. To- I am. pride? Come on. I took it right back as soon as it was out of my mouth. I was like, no, 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 glitter, I need it back. We basically own the rainbow at this point. Yeah, it's just fire and horribleness yeah. is what's happening. Jay is in a very tough spot because you've got the right to representation when you're charged in a criminal case. But that right doesn't trigger until you've been formally charged. And so we know that Jay pops onto the radar screen of the police um, in January or February and doesn't get formally charged until September of 99. That created this strange system where Jay is able to talk to the police. The police are able to talk to Jay. He's not able to get a, a lawyer to stand in between him and the police. Which means they used him as a mouthpiece with nobody looking out for him. Exactly. There's no lawyer between him and the cops. Or representing him from March until September. Yeah. And then when they finally do charge him, Ugh. he's charged with accessory after the fact. We're told it's like basically the lightest thing you can be charged for. You, you can get a max of five years for accessory after the fact. That seems a little low to me. Yeah, of course. Right? I'm looking at you, Pusateri. Like, you know what I mean? Seriously. Also, is it Pus? She says Pusateri. It's Pusateri. Give me a break. <laughs> From a, from, from a Pensavali to Pusateri. Enough. I can't with these people. So Kevin Yurick charges Jay with accessory after the fact, which is not a heavy charge compared to what he, quote, confessed to. And not only that, this is where we are seeing the leniency. So not only does he charge him with, like, the leanest thing you can get, Kevin Yurick hires Jay's lawyer. He hires Ann Benaroya. Do you remember this is the thing from Serial that made Christina Gutierrez go berserk? Yeah. Hi- pro bono, by the way. Hires Ann Benaroya pro bono, which is completely unethical. To quote Christina Gutierrez from Serial, in what world <laughs> yeah. would would you ever? Like, Did it just, you not? Right. This is completely unethical. And they also take him to the judge that is known to be lenient on defendants who are underage. Yeah, like young offenders. Also, you can like pick and choose your judge since In Baltimore. freaking when. Anything goes. You guys, it's the day of the Christy moment, y'all. You guys, if you've been paying attention to this at all, you've been told there was a thing in episode three that calls everything into question. You guys, this is it. We're back to Christy at the diner. Oh my God, Christy. Okay, okay, here we go. We are going to hear this a million times. The chain of events that happened on January 13th that started with Jay getting Adnan's car, all of the stuff with Jay going to Jen Pusateri's house, going to get Adnan, Adnan and Jay showing up at Christy's, Adnan's super high, he's rude, he gets that weird phone call, what am I going to do, who am I going to tell? All of these things happened on January 13th, according to the police. Right. And we are going to hear now, starting with Christy, that the only reason all of these people, Jen, Christy, everybody, the only reason they know that this happened on the 13th is because the cops told them that that was that day. The fact that everyone is on the record saying this. Yeah. They and even you hear, say it on trial, like back in the day. You hear Jen in her interview with the police saying, I only know it was the 13th because that's what you said. It's super important because if any one of these things didn't happen on the 13th, the state's theory of the case completely falls apart. Right. Let's get into this. So Christy says... On the stand, like, I knew that it was the 13th that they showed up at my house and Adon was super high because the cops said so, but I also had a conference that day. Mm-hmm. So you hear Christy in her interview with the cops saying this, and she's saying it confidently. On the 13th, can you tell me what you did? Um, it was the conference at the Baltimore. That night, did you get some visitors? Yeah. And approximately what time was that? 
between 5, 15, and 6 o'clock. And who were your visitors? But then modern day Christy is saying, I wish they had taped me from the beginning because the beginning I was hemming and hawing. I didn't know. They told me it was the 13th. Right. Now what you're hearing, it sounds like I have all the answers. Like I just knew that it was the 13th. hundred percent. Yeah. And she's like, that's not really what it was. Exactly. Like, th- those memories are coming back to her now. Right. So now at trial, Christy testifies that she was home at 6.30 watching Judge Judy. We all know the Judge Judy story. She was like, well, you know, if, if you had any, like, definitive thing to show me that I wasn't home, then maybe I believe you. But I know I was home at 6.30 because the cops told me I was and Judge Judy was on. Right. But here's the thing. We get that some producers just, like, sliding paperwork across the diner table at her. Yeah. And you see her like, what is this? What is this? So this basically is the winter term for the school of social work mm-hmm. at UBC. January, and these were the classes you were taking. Right, but this wasn't the conference, right? These were just the the the, the, the courses winter. I took, yeah. right? It looks like you had a class from six to nine ten every Wednesday. And so what this paper is, it's a copy of Christie's schedule from that year. The 13th was a Wednesday, and clear as day on the schedule, she had class that night until like 9.30 or something. She had, it was one of those classes where it was like during a midwinter break or something. So there were only like four of them. Yeah. And they were from like six to nine every Wednesday night. Right. I don't remember. I don't remember whether I just blew the class off. So I got to be... These were only three sessions? There was a winter term. Oh, then I wouldn't have blown it off. I couldn't have. They wouldn't, I wouldn't have passed. I wouldn't have been able to skip a winter class. So all of a sudden, she's just like looking around. And this is when she looks at the camera and she's like, this is really troubling to me. She gets very concerned. So it definitely couldn't have happened on the 13th because I wouldn't have been at home at 630 watching Judge Judy on the 13th if I had class. That also concerns me, though, because... I believe that Adnan did it. I believe that those events connect. Him loaning the car to Jay happens on the same date as them coming to my house, as the same date as them, as Adnan killing Hay, as the same date as them going to Lincoln Park. You know what I mean? I believe all that happened on the same day, but if we're... If one thing is off, how much does everything slide off? Right, right. The armchair detective in me is like, there's got to be a way to prove that Christy was in class that night. Right. Look, we all know Anna didn't kill Hay. So I'm not saying if we prove that she was in class, Anna didn't kill her. It couldn't hurt. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's got to help a little. Yeah, I'm just saying that, like, the state's theory of the case all falls apart. Also, combined with the fact that Queen Susan Simpson is back. Yeah. And she's like, look, Christy's got one job here. <laughs> Christy's primary function is to prove that both the cell sites and Jay are reliable. If... Christy got that date wrong, then either Jay's making the whole thing up or the cell site data doesn't actually reflect where the phone was at the time of the calls. Uh, (laughs) Why is it so hard for these people to tell the truth? I don't get it. Okay, you guys. Susan Simpson is back. She's sitting before us. She is about to tell us. (laughs) On her throne of paper. Somebody is washing her feet. Somebody is fanning her and feeding her Mm. grapes. You guys, when this happened in the world of the case of Adnan Syed, like in real life, when this happened, this was shockwaves. So here's what happened. Susan is explaining she's been an associate attorney for a long time. She's used to getting like trunk loads of material on a case. She is the opposite of me. She's very organized. 
list. <laughs> she sits down at her desk and she puts everything in order. Right. So she knows who called who, when, when did they call each other back. She's looking at these very important cell phone records and she sees the fax cover sheet, which was sent with the records, that says very clearly how to read subscriber activity reports. All calls are recorded in Eastern Standard Time. Good to know. And it also says, outgoing calls only are reliable for location status. Any incoming calls will not be considered reliable information for location. Meaning, if any of the calls that were used to place Adnan and Jay wherever the cops said they were, were incoming calls, they don't count. Guess, Guess what? what? They were all over the house! <laughs> Every single one. The most damning ones were the ones that came at the time of night when the state is theorizing that Adnan and Jay were in Leakin Park burying hay. I asked Rabia, I'm like, hey, so it turns out those calls aren't reliable? And Rabia's like, oh yeah, no one's ever seen that before. I'm like, Really? This is a piece of evidence that nobody even realized existed for all these years. Which is why, sweetheart, what did I say to you when you were like, I don't want these files. Just like, no, it's all going to work out for totally the best. Right. Just, Susan, take, just take the guy Susan. to file, Susan. Okay? I'm Queen Rabia. You're, queen, you're queen Susan. You don't know it yet. Right. Take the files. I promise. I promise it'll be for good. Queen Susan, call us. Oh, co- <gasps> I know. I know. But it's right there, plain as day. Right there. And the, you know who else didn't see this? Abe Waronowitz, which is how I think you say his name. He's the expert from AT&T uh-huh. on the stand saying, like yeah this is good data like this is all of this data is good and Susan genius Susan is like ah we gotta find this guy yeah I gotta know if he ever saw this like fax cover sheet she tracks him down she goes on the online she goes on the online so she goes on the online she finds him and sends him an email she's like did you know about this when you testified and then I got a very long email from him As an engineer, any analysis I make should use accurate data directly from the source. Since I no longer have those resources available to me, I cannot and should not provide any analysis or speculation. While I love to help people understand complex technical things, this is way too much for me to handle, and I wish to remain silent from now on. Please honor and respect this. So we didn't talk for a long time. Susan goes, so we didn't talk for a long time. She did not earn respect it. Because she didn't say we didn't talk ever again. She said, we didn't talk for a long time. And I'm like, yes, girl. Because what happens is, like Asia, Abe Waronowitz, which, you guys, I'm working really hard to say that right, reaches out to Kevin Urich. Just call him AT&T Abe. Right. AT&T Abe, who's actually very cute, reaches out to Kevin Urich, and Kevin Urich is like, girl, stay out of this. And basically says, like, bad things can happen. Bad things can happen. Kevin Urich, you're a monster. (laughs) So he, like, for a long time doesn't do anything, but then, like, gets back in touch with Susan and is like, listen, girl, I gotta come clean. Like, I didn't see that. And if I had seen it, it would have affected my testimony. What does he do? He signs an affidavit saying as much. I, I, Abraham Warnowitz, hereby affirm that the following is true and accurate. If I had been made aware of this disclaimer, it would have affected my testimony. I would not have affirmed the interpretation of a phone's possible geographical location until I could ascertain the reasons and details for the disclaimer. I do not know why this information was not pointed out to me. So, you guys, there's this whole section here that's really important that's about, like, how bad life was for the Korean community in Baltimore in the 90s. Like, you know, they worked really hard. They had to work, like, long hours to support their families. So much of this is in Korean and it's subtitled. We can't play much of it. Yeah, and it's about, like, crimes were happening against Koreans that weren't being investigated or prosecuted in a way that led to justice. So they were very upset and the community was coming together. And when Hay went missing, like, it was just another horrible heartbreak for the community. It was really bad. We are on top of it, you guys. We are paying attention. 
attention to it. It's just hard to play it because it's all in yeah. Korean. No, we're not ignoring it. Not we just, we just want all. you to know that. Yeah. We're on it. All right, you guys. We're back to 99 when Adnan is arrested. And th- I remember this from Serial. I remember this was so heartbreaking. Adnan is like being charged and they get his birthday wrong. So they say 1980 instead of 1981. So Adnan is being presented to the judge as a grown-up. Right. And the thing is, when you're charged with a capital offense and you're over 18, you don't get any bail. Right. And the thing is, that's yet another setback because Adnan was not 18. Right. So Adnan is denied bail. And then we see the scene of Adnan's second bail hearing. And this is fucking crazy. Oh, my God. We heard about this in Serial. Adnan is brought into the court. The entire, like, Muslim community is there. Rabia says they took buses to get there to support him. Right. And so usually if someone doesn't have the backing of a community, that works against them. Right. Because it's like, oh, he's a loner or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the fact that Adnan did have the support of the community, that was working against him. So we hear Vicky Watt. The lawyer, the prosecutor, whoever she is. She's like, dang. Yeah. Dang dang, is who she is. Dang, 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 dang. Your Honor, the fact that the defendant has strong support from the community, that is what makes him unique in this case. He has the resources of this entire community here. Our investigation reveals that the defendant has an uncle in Pakistan, and he has indicated that he can make people disappear. I can distinctly remember Vicki Walsh saying that there is a pattern. pattern in the United States of America where young Pakistan males have been jilted, have committed murder, and have fled to Pakistan, and we have been unable to extradite them back. Islamophobic, 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 Islamophobic. Exactly. That's, that's what she says. Yeah, 100%. So Adnan is denied bail a second time. All right, you guys, we're flashing back to 99. We see Jay at his sentencing hearing. Right, so Adnan gets life plus 30. Yeah. Everyone's world comes tumbling down. Jay gets nothing. Nothing. Also, we have to listen to Jay. Like, he's asked if he has anything he wants to say before this sentencing and he's crying whatever you do decide i'm like you know that i have a real hard time even sitting here because i i feel like uh people look at me they think i'm a horrible person and that i'm really sorry for my part and what happened they think I'm a horrible person. I'm like, yeah, we sure do, girl. Yeah, we all do. We all think you're horrible. And that lawyer, like, looking up at him, like, she's putting on quite a show. Ben Arroyo, we see you, girl. Like, I it's know. so staged and so ridiculous, but there's no one else there for Jay but one person. Who you is it? guys, Stephanie is there. We see Stephanie in the background. She's, like, in one of the back rows sitting there. And, like, when you realize it's Stephanie, because Ben Arroyo says it. And she's like, no, 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 girl, don't, say, don't <laughs> let anyone know I'm here. Like, Stephanie wants out of this. I know. But plain as day, it is Stephanie, you guys, hashtag where is Stephanie? Where is she? Hashtag where is Stephanie? Where is she? I want to hear from Stephanie. She knows, she knows a lot. Yeah. You guys, this is how the episode ends. The episode ends with some explosions from Jen and Christy because we're seeing them together for the first time in this series. Yeah, and remember, they were the sorority sisters. State's witnesses, right, exactly. the whole thing. The ones your parents would not want you to hang out with and they'll be like, oh, you'll know why when you're 30, but you're not hanging out with them. This is bananas to me because we are seeing the guilt and the realizations manifest in very different ways in the two of them. Yes. So Christy is kind of like, mm, this is a little problematic and Jen, is mad. Yeah, Jen is over it. Jen is not only like maybe a little sad that she didn't help more, she now just wants to go right back to not being involved. It don't matter to me. I used to care, but now... For real, I'm ready to change my name to get out of this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want any fucking thing to do with it. Period. Flat. Out. I wish I never would have talked to y'all in the first place. 
She's like finger, actually waving her finger in the producer's faces. This has gone zero to a hundred because she was fine before. I don't know what happened to set her off. Right. So as she's like banging on the table and ranting and raving, <laughs> Christy's like, you know, it's just one of those things. You're never going to know the truth. And I'm like, that's not true. Right, right, right. We totally will. And I think that scares the two of them because they've believed the same bullshit for so long. But then Jen, like in her final act of like <laughs> screaming and throwing shit across the room, she's like, if there was something that was going to close it and that we could get a fucking answer, then hey, I'm all for it, but I don't see it happening. So what the fuck is the point? So what the fuck is the point? Right, Jen, oh my girl. You know, she does not look like a stranger to a cocktail to me. Now might be a good moment. Ooh, yeah, take a breath. Yeah. <laughs> but it feels like this guilt is bubbling up and coming out in a way. I think her whole life just fell down around her. And then the actual, actual end, uh-huh. not just the Jen and Chrissy show, right. which I would totally watch. Bravo. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> is something that is supposed to make your heart swell, but yeah. it really, in light of recent news, makes your heart break. The conviction was vacated, which means it was erased, and we won a new trial for Adnan. So it's been, it's been an amazing day. We won, ultimately, on the cell tower issue. The judge said that Christina Gutierrez was deficient, that she had made a mistake by not contacting Asia McLean, but that it wouldn't necessarily have affected the outcome of the trial. But with the facts cover sheet, if it had been done, it would have affected the outcome. Justin is like celebrating with strangers on the street. I know, it's so funny. He's calling his wife, his kids like make him cards. They don't know like exactly why, but like dad had a good day. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. they're celebrating. And I was sitting there crying watching it. And Mike said after, because he didn't know like what work I was doing. And he was uh-huh. like, what's wrong? And I was like, I just feel sad. I'm yeah, really sad. In case you guys don't, like if you haven't been paying attention, that good news was just overturned. Right. We're back to square one. Yeah. And you know, Adnan's mom is like, you know, one day he'll open that door and it just feels like we were there and now we have to go back a little bit. But we'll get there again. We'll get there. We'll We'll get get there there. again. Oh, you guys, we love you. (laughs) Thank you you for going on this Adnan journey with us. I know. Next, we're doing episode four of The Case Against Adnan Sayed. We're flying by the seat of our pants here. You guys, come see us live in June for our Pride show. I'm dying. We hired the drag queens. I'm doing the Pride Uh, tours. What else do I gotta do to get you there? Scream about it a little bit more, maybe. (laughs) It's gonna be super pridey. What are you wearing? I don't know yet. Depends on exactly how thin I am at that point. Yeah. I I gotta start working on that for me (laughs) if I'm wearing this not black dress that I've been promising. Just go to our website. Go to the CS Live page. If you want to come see us at CrimeCon or at PodX, come hang out with us. Also, you guys, the Patreon. If you want more of us, and who doesn't? I mean. (laughs) Check us out. Go to our website. Click on the Patreon button. And also, you guys, stay tuned at the end of this episode. We're playing a clip of our recent new interview with Robbie Achadri all about Don Kleindance. On our Patreon, you can also get the episode-by-episode coverage of Serial, The Staircase, Making a Murderer. The Jinx. The Jinx. All of the good stuff. Madonna's Truth or Dare. You can get ad-free versions of these episodes. Yeah, starting for the Ted Bundy tapes. That's right. Moving forward. Girl, where can they find us? At True Crime Obsessed on the Twitter. Uh-huh. True Crime Obsessed Podcast on the Instagram. And TrueCrimeObsessed.com for like all the things we just talked about and more. I don't know what the palette cleanser is going to be. We'll figure it out when we get there. Oh, well, I love that we just kind of make our way there. Same. And I will put it in the show notes this time. I forget sometimes, but I'll put it in the show notes this time. Yeah. Last week was Heather's. Heather's last yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> announcement. It was from Heather's last exactly. time. But I love that people want to know what it is. I love that. Same. Me too. I love, I love doing the palette cleansers. Yeah. Love you guys. Love you. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.
what was who was that? <laughs> Rumbling. She tried to get oh, yeah. tum- my tummy. Mm. My tummy. <laughs> Don't say that. My tummy. Gross. <laughs> okay. Also, Krista Hayes' friend just goes, "What is this Sarah lady doing?" When she heard when she heard about cereal, that's my arguably maybe my favorite quote from this episode. What's that Sarah lady doing? What is she up to? Follow us back. I know. Asia, no, Asia, do whatever you want on Twitter. The what? internet is so horrible to Asia. She can do whatever she wants. What if Asia followed Solange Knowles, Amy Berg, and us? I don't know. I don't know. And Rabia, maybe. Follow yeah. Rabia, at least. Follow Rabia. That's true. But we're not trying to say you. No, I was going to say, wait, Asia, we shared the same breath. We were like, Asia, do whatever you want. The internet is a horrible, horrible place. Protect yourself, girl. I bet Asia would do an amazing cabaret. Like, if she were to oh. do a one-woman show at 54 Below, I bet With it would be incredible. A couple stories. Yeah, a totally. couple songs. Oh. oh, that red dress she's wearing. <laughs> Asia. Asia. Girl, we can make that happen for we, you is the thing we of it. We basically represent you at this the point. The thing is that we can make the proper phone calls and you can, next week, we'll see you there, girl. Saturday night, let's do this. The Late Show. The 10.30 show. Mm. Let's get real with Asia. And I want, like, diamonds in the martini glass. Like, oh. I want a whole long sequin gown. Yes. She's lounging on a piano. The entire time. Otto Titzling Inventor and Kraut had nothing to get very worked up about. His inventions were failures, his future seemed bleak. He fled to the opera at least twice a week. One night at the opera, he saw an Aida, whose bust was so big it would often impede her. But guide, he watched her fall into the pit. Dumbing by the weight of those terrible tits. Oh my God. Amongst the reeds, and he suddenly felt the fire inspiration flood his soul. He ran back to his workshop where he butted and butted and butted. For Otto Titzling had found his quest to lift and mold the female breast. Yes. To point the small ones to the sky, <laughs> to keep the big ones high, high and dry. Every night he'd sweat and snort, searching for the right support. He tried some. the scene with a great deal of interest. <laughs> Later that night while Brunhilde slept into the wardrobe Philippe softly crept. He fumbled through knickers and corsets galore till he found Otto's sling and he ran out the door crying, oh my God, oh joy, what bliss. I'm gonna make me a million from this every woman in the world will wanna buy one. I will 
So, I mean, it was, first of all, it was crazy to hear his voice in this documentary. I've been disabled since I was 23 and haven't been able to work. And I'm 38 now. I don't expect to live to see 50. My next 12 years basically is making sure that my wife and kids are taken care of. Not worrying about whether anybody believes my alibi. Most people don't have the resources you do to track me down. Can you tell us a little bit about your takeaway from what he had to say? You know, um, I remember when Amy told me they found him. um, And I'm not surprised. It's, I mean, you want to find somebody, you can find somebody. So finding him, they have the name, right? They they can, there's all kinds of investigative tools you can use to find people. That's how we find witnesses for undisclosed. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but really it was more about how do we, what's the strategy behind getting him to talk? Will he talk to us? So I think she had to make multiple visits and call and try to build a rapport. um, And he still wasn't comfortable uh, being on camera talking. And so what he said to me, and he said this in serial too, and this has always struck me as odd. Well, two things. First, that he said that he loved her and he still loves her to this day. It's not a day go by that I do not think about her and what happened. I was very much in love with her. I mean, they were dating for two weeks. Right, um, yeah. He didn't ever, he never tried to find out where she was after she disappeared. He didn't try to page her. He was supposed to see her that night. Girlfriend doesn't show up, and he just is like, oh, well. I mean, to, that yeah. contradicts the idea to me that he loved her and that he still loves her today is weird to me. Um, and he also said that I think about her every day. That's weird to me. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It is weird to me. I, I don't because you know we've all had people we've you know been with, and especially for brief periods, and, and you you don't think about them every day. I mean, it just doesn't happen. I don't know if it was just the sh- the tragedy of what happened to her that makes him think about her, but there's something doesn't sit right for me with how he talks about her and his feelings for her. And then there's the thing with Debbie, which again, if what Debbie is saying, Oh my God, yes. that's the next point in this. Yeah. We are obsessed. I'm going to, we talk about it for 47 yeah, hours. Yeah. 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 It's, oh it's, it's fascinating. Look, if what he, if what Debbie is saying is true, that does not jibe with him saying I'm, I loved Hay and I still love her when he's making the moves on her friend within a matter of, days or weeks or whatever. You know, I just tried to find out how much he cared about her, what he knew about her disappearance. And I don't recall when it was we had that seven hour conversation, but we did. It was spring break and my sister was attending College Park. She lived on campus. I was going to go stay with her for that whole week. So I had told, you know, told Don all of this and he, you know, oh, let me come visit you while I'm there. So, okay. I guess it was that evening. That was the first time he had really expressed like romantic interest. And it was kind of odd. Um, I didn't really know what to do with that. But, um, you know, he made it very clear that that's what he was interested in. And I guess to some extent I went along with it for some time. Um, but, you know, I, I did make it clear to him that I was not, you know, sexual, that, that you know, not something, <laughs> not something we were going to be involved in. I think Debbie first contacted him when Hay was missing. They talked for seven hours and he already... He didn't even know where Hay was or that she was dead. He was already making romantic overtures to her, okay? Now, when he made the physical moves on her, and I didn't know that. I, I was shocked to see that in the documentary. Um, when he made the physical moves on her, that was after Hay's body had been found. It was like about a month or two after, you know, they, they learned she'd been killed. 
Yeah, because that was, I think she said spring break of that year, and that was after Hayes' body was found. So it's, I mean, he's an older guy. Like, why is he going after Deb? I don't understand any of it. I just don't. Do you have any insight into, like, so, okay, are they coming? I mean, we've seen episodes one through three. We have been instructed by HBO that we're not allowed to give any spoilers beyond episode one, because this this interview is coming out right after that episode drops. But, like, are they going to go back to him? Are we done with Don? Like, what's... What's happening? Here's the thing. I've seen one, two, three, one through three. I have not seen four. So I actually don't know if they're going to go back to him. I, ha- I don't know. We'll all find out together, I guess. To hear the rest of our interview with Queen Rabia Chaudhry, including her thoughts on Jen Pusateri, Jay, even more of her thoughts on Dawn, and what she thinks about when and how this case will be resolved, go to our website and click on the Patreon link, or go straight to patreon.com slash truecrimeobsessed, where you can find this and the rest of our amazing bonus content. 